Hello, how's everybody doing? Again, my name is Kyle Wilson, and I'm super excited to be here with you guys again. Um, it was awesome first time around, but it is nice to see more people in the audience. Um, and I know we're still on Facebook, so welcome to everybody who's on Church Online. Um, today, I wanted to take a look at um, a passage that's been really teaching me something lately. Um, it's a passage that has challenged me taught me and really helped me through this whole crazy season that we've been dealing with uh, with COVID. It's been a crazy year with a lot of questions that we've all had to ask ourselves or ask others, like, can we meet in person? Can we not meet in person? When are we going to be able to meet together as a family again? Where's the sanitizer? Where's the mask? I don't know where any of it is, but all questions that we've been asking and sometimes even stressing over. One of those big questions, will things ever be, quote-unquote, normal again? Sometimes there's also things that we're, not just the questions we're asking, but we're also going through some big changes. I don't know what changes you guys are going through, but maybe it's a change in a job, uh, having to move, or changing just the way your work looks like, where you're working from, if you're working from home, or if you're still going in. There's a lot of changes that have happened this season. And for me, there's been... Quite a big change. Um, during COVID, or right before COVID, we'll say back in November, um, I started getting this thought in my head of what's next. I was getting to this point where I just thought God was leading me into something new. I have a great job over at Three Crosses. I've been able to help with our men's ministry, and it, I've been there since 2012, and it's been an amazing uh, opportunity over there. But there was just something I was like, okay, what's next? Is there a new position for me? Is there a new role for me to step into? But I don't know what that was. So I was asking God, God, lead me. What is next for me? I want to follow you in this. But then COVID hit and threw everything for a loop. And that what's next question took a back seat for a little while. And it became, all right, what's now? Came to figuring out how do we handle not meeting in person? How do we do online services? How do we talk with our family from the car while we're sitting on our porch. How do we, what now, God? So we started getting our feet under us. We started figuring out online church and men's ministry, and we've been working with our family, and, you know, restrictions have sort of lifted. So that idea of what's next came back up. What's next? And there was just one time I was sitting with some of my friends. We were um, out on their property, splitting and chopping and stacking wood. And we started talking about life and talking about the Bible. And we started talking about a specific passage. It was uh, Matthew 7. It was the Sermon on the Mount we started talking about. But there was one specific passage within the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew that really threw me for the loop, really had me asking, what's going on here? In this passage, it was Matthew 7, 7 through 11. So if you guys want to turn there, you know, phones, if you brought your Bibles, we'll be in Matthew 7, 7 through 11. This passage really challenged me. It challenged me on how I was praying and was I expecting an answer to my prayer? Was I praying expectantly? So let's read this passage. So it's Matthew 7, 7 through 11. And it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, for, for everyone who asks receives, 
and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask in him? Abba, Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your son, and I thank you for the words we get to study today, the words that we get to learn from today, and I just pray that you speak to all of us, and I know you will. So teach us today what you want us all to learn from this passage. We love you, and it's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So along with some of those questions we had through COVID, as I was reading through this passage, I had even more questions. The first one came up, and it was, what is Jesus asking us to do? This passage is part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is going into a sermon about how life is looking different to his followers, to those who are looking to God. Life should look different anywhere from how we should not worry, talking about treasures in heaven, talking about prayer, fasting. And this section, he's telling us to ask, seek, and knock. Jesus is telling us to ask, seek, and knock. And that doesn't just tell us once, but he tells us twice. And from my experience, whenever I've been in a class with a teacher or a boss or especially my wife, if they have to tell me something twice, it's usually something very, very important. Now, for my wife, she tells me twice for other reasons because I might not listen to her the first time around. I'm trying to get better at that one, but you can definitely ask her. She'll be here second service. But he's repeating himself, ask, seek, and knock. But for us, for us and for the believers back then, what does that mean? Simply, it's praying. Jesus is asking us to pray to God. Now, he uses these three terms to show us a progression, to ask, to seek, to knock. That's why I can put it as I read this once. It was talking about a child asking his mom a question. If a child wants to ask his mom a question and she's next to him and near him, he can simply just ask the question. But what if his mom is not nearby where he can just ask the question? He must walk through the house and find her, go seek. He has to go find her to be able to ask that question. But what if she's in the bedroom or in the bathroom and he needs to get to her and the door's shut? How is he going to get her attention? He's going to knock. He has to knock after he finds her, to ask her that question. Now, from my experience with my nieces and nephews or friends and their kids, that knock from children usually sounds something like this. Mom, mom, mommy, mom, 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 mom. While that might be very annoying to parents at times and hearing those words repeated, your name, I dare you to ask God so much where you might think you might be annoying him. Because you won't. You can keep going to God, ask, seek, and knock, and God, 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 he's not going to be annoyed. He wants you to go to him. Now, this is not just the first time that Jesus is talking about prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. If we look back in uh, Matthew 6, just on the other page, maybe a page back, He has this whole thing about prayer, and it's about, we call it the Lord's Prayer. But in that passage, if you are sure to look in there, 
He uses the term father a lot when he's talking about prayer. Go into the room by yourself and talk to your father. Say, Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus wants us to go to God as children. He wants us to ask him, to seek him, and to knock. Now this brought up another question for me, and is, if we ask, if we seek, we knock, we're praying, what is God going to do? And it's right there in this, in, um, it's right there in those two first two verses, seven and eight. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. God's not just saying, come talk to me. He's like, I want to be able to respond to you. Jesus is telling us that God wants and will respond when we come to him in prayer. Now, the question is, for us at this point, is do we go to God praying expectantly? Do we expect God to actually answer our prayers or talk to us and respond to our prayers when we are going to him? If we look in verse 8, it gets to a point of, not a point, sorry. When we look at verse 8, he actually answers another question I had, which was, who can pray to God? So we know that children go to their parents, and if God's calling us his children, is that the believers? Is that people that are looking for God? Who can go and pray to God? God says right there in verse 8, one simple word, everyone. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Everyone who prays to God, God will respond to that's for us here in this room. That's for you online. That is for our friends and our neighbors and our family. Anybody who wants to pray and ask, seek, and knock, God will respond. So again, I ask you again, are you praying expectantly? Praying that knowing and expecting God to respond when you ask, seek, and knock. So when you go to him, what's on your heart? Talk to him. What, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? What are your hopes and dreams? Ask God. Tell him. But there's one thing we must remember when we are praying to God. God doesn't answer our, or respond in a way we often expect or sometimes want. He listens to everything. But we might not get the response we expect. But that doesn't mean we should stop praying expectantly. So for me during this season, when I've been asking myself and talking to God, saying, what's next? God, lead me. I realize, you know, it, maybe it is a new position. Maybe I'm supposed to be looking for a new job and something needs to change. And so I started looking all over the place. I started looking online. I started looking within three crosses. And as I was going through, I started applying on every single website I could find. I even found one where you can just click apply for all these different churches. Um, now, for all those I was looking at, I was finding two big um, positions that people were looking for during this time. One were either a worship pastor or a student pastor. Now, a worship pastor, your guys' worship team did amazing today, but you never want me on the worship team. I think the only thing I could maybe do is maybe stand in the back and play the cowbell. That's probably all I have musical talent for. 
But when it came to students, I was thinking, well, I, I've worked in student ministry before. I was a volunteer with our high school ministry, and I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot from the kids. We've been through the highs of highs and lows of lows, um, the whole gamut, but it was amazing. I was like, well, maybe I could do that. Maybe I can be a student pastor. Not what I was expecting or want, but, you know, maybe I can do that. What I really wanted was to be a college pastor or a college director, working with either college or young adults. And that's where I came to faith in our young adult ministry at Three Crosses. And I thought college is just right there. It's the same age group and right where I think I would fit in well. So as I was applying for all these different positions, I started getting some responses from churches. Some were, we're going to go with a different fit. Look at your resume. I'll we hope you find something else somewhere else. They were all those really encouraging remarks, but they don't really give you a reason why. But then I found a college director position. I found one online. I read through the job description. I'm like, man, this could be amazing. This is right in my wheelhouse. These are the things I like to do. I think I can do this well. So I started applying and got an interview, started talking with the church, and started making progress down that path. And my wife came to me when we were talking about one day, and she goes, okay. They're going down this path. Are you excited for that position? And at first I was. I was like, but there's something in me that's, I don't know, not as excited as I was hoping for. I think I was more excited for the what's next, but not necessarily this position. But if this is what's next, hey, I'll be excited. We'll do it. I'll rock it. We'll have some fun with it. But I realized I need to... Really go to God and say, hey, is this what you're doing? I need to ask. I need to seek. I need to knock. And I need to pray expectantly. So when I was looking back and talking with those friends that we talked about earlier, where we were stacking the wood and everything, and we're going through this passage, we started speaking about this whole idea of asking, seeking, and knocking, and talking to God, and asking for what we want, what we desire, talking with our hopes and dreams, and I realized something at that time. That God, one, wants to respond to us. And what I might be turning and asking God next scares me. Because if I'm praying expectantly, knowing God's going to answer me, this next prayer that I might say completely scares me. It's not something I've ever done. It's not something I've trained for. It's not something that I was comfortable with. I like my normal. I like my comfort. I don't like change. This would be a big one. But I knew I needed to ask him. And that was the part of me that didn't want to ask him. Even though I knew I needed to, part of me still didn't want to because I knew God will respond. I've seen it over and over. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it with others. So I found myself praying to become a student pastor, knowing if I, okay, God, you got, bring, got me to this place where I'm asking, I want to lead students. I want to work with junior high and high school students. I've done it in somewhat of a context, but I've never been the pastor leading it, but this scares me, but God, allow me to do this. Now, I know that God doesn't always give me what I ask for or how I expect it. So this could be a student pastor. It could be maybe an admin at a church. It could be just volunteering again at Three Crosses with our high school ministry. Like, either any of those happen. God, you're answering my prayer. Thank you very much. Like, I would love that. But then when with my friends, we started talking about this idea, and actually they came around me and started praying for me also. 
And if you're going to have any group of guys pray for you and see God move, it was these, guys, these group of guys, which scares me even more because they're like, whoa, 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 I know, I'm going to pray. I want to pray expectantly that God's going to answer me, but I know God answers them. I've seen that over and over and over. So do I really want them praying? But again, what God does, he teaches us through all of these. So they prayed with me. I prayed with me about it and wanted to see where God was going to take this prayer. Now, as I was going through this passage, it came up another question. Why should I pray to God? Why should I be praying expectantly to God? God knows what's in my heart. God knows what I want. God knows everything. He knows where I'm going to be five, ten years down the road. So why should I even pray about this? God's going to lead me no matter what, right? God wants us to rely on him. Not in a way that, hey, I'm going to sit back and let you do all the work. God wants us to rely on him by asking him and talking with him and asking, seeking, and knocking for him to lead us. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. It says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? Let's go back to this whole child and parent thing. Put yourself in that position as a parent. If your child comes to you and asks for something, are you going to turn around and give them something harmful? No. And I'm not just talking about harmful like if they have a bicycle and they ride it, yes, they could fall and hurt themselves. I mean, something that you, you wouldn't want to give your child something that you knew was going to harm them. And it says here, we're still evil. We don't want to give them something hurtful or harmful, but we're evil. I'm evil. You guys are evil. Not my words. God, God's words. God says it right there. If you then, though you are evil, know how to good, give good, sorry, know how to give good gifts. Now this evil that I'm talking about, we often call it sin. It's a sin in our life. It's the things that we do we know that aren't what God wants us to do. Things that drive us away from God rather than pull us toward him. But that doesn't mean that we don't have some good in us. We don't have this ability not to give good gifts to those who ask us. You know, we are made in the image of God. It says in Genesis 1, 26, that it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Make man with some of my qualities. One of those being good. But now we think about this one. If we as evil people can give good gifts, what we think are good gifts, imagine the gifts that God will give us. God, the creator of everything. God, the Holy One, the one who is set apart, the one, has, the one who has not a single piece of evil in him. How much better will those gifts be from him compared to what we could ever give anybody? And if we go back to this whole father and child or parent and child um, idea that we've been talking about, I want you guys to think about a father for a second. I know not all of us have had great father relationships, 
But if you were to think about, okay, what would be the perfect, what would be the ideal father? What would they do? How would they act? Think about that. Now think about how motivated would that father be to give a good gift to their child? That motivation that that father has pales in comparison to the motivation that God has to give us good gifts. Pales in comparison to the motivation that God has to be a good father to us. And that's why God wants us to talk to him. He wants us to ask, seek, and knock, and pray expectantly. Now, there's one thing I said earlier that I want to come back to, and that was that God will not always respond in a way that we expect or want, but we should still pray expectantly. Now, in my job search of going through all these different interviews, and I found that college director position, that this would be awesome, well, I started moving forward with that church and had a couple interviews and answered some questions, and it was coming down to a point where God actually offered me that job. I got offered. They sent me an email with the offer letter, every, all the details in there saying, hey, sign on the dotted line, and you'll be our new college director. While this was amazing, something in me was not jumping up and down for joy, screaming yes, running around the house, driving my wife crazy. There was still something in me that was holding back. And as I thought and asked God, what, what's going on? I realized that God has already started, not only is God trying to respond to me, but he's starting to work in me through that response. God has changed my heart. He's changed my mentality about what I'm going after, what I feel I need to be in. God's lit a fire in my heart for student ministries. Now, I've just been applying all these different places. I haven't actually made some inroads. I've talked with a church down south, and they had an interview with them about student ministries, and they said, nope, we're going to go with a better fit. Actually, last time I spoke, I had an interview for a student pastor position right after when I spoke, and come to find out that church had to stop their search because, you know, they just didn't have the funds or other issues that came up. So there was a lot of roadblocks that were in my way for that one. But that didn't stop me praying expectantly for this. As I continued to search for pastor, student pastor positions, I started finding more information about student ministries online. I wanted to know more about it. What am I getting into? How do I speak better to students? How do I work with students? How do I develop relationships? God was stirring that in me. And it wasn't what I expected at all. At all. I did not expect God to start this fire and desire in my heart. But as I started looking for student ministries and student pastors, there's nothing in this area right now. COVID has really put a, a squash on a lot of churches hiring and looking for somebody new. But then after I got this offer letter, I'm sitting there thinking, do I sign? Do I say yes? Do I not? I got a random email. Out of all those clicks I told you, I was clicking on that website, apply here, apply here, apply here. I sort of forgot some of the churches that I applied for. I mean, I was applying for churches in Tennessee and Michigan, my wife was very thankful I didn't go and move forward the Michigan one. She didn't want to be there. But I got this email from a church actually in Sonora. And they were looking for a new student pastor. So they sent me a questionnaire. They wanted me to submit a video. So we started walking that process. I'm like, okay, what's, what's this all about? 
Now, as I was walking through that process, I had a, an interview on the phone. I did a Zoom one. I answered some questions. I sent them a video of myself. I even went into the church and met them and their staff. But nothing was official yet. There was still some process. I knew they were looking at a couple other uh, candidates for this position. But there was something in me that was telling me, turn down the college one. Turn down the one that you originally asked for, that I'm already seeing God's movement in it, giving me this position and offering me this college position, but there was something in me that says, turn that down. And for me, that's foreign because I have a firm offer for something that I was hoping to do, but now I'm turning it down for the hopes of something else that I have no guarantee on. As far as I know, there's still two or three other guys that they're looking at. But there was this peace within me because I was asking, I was seeking, and I was knocking. I was praying to God about all of the decisions I was making. Now, just like he always does, God answered my prayer in a way I never expected. Ideally, I even hoped for a pastoral role at Three Crosses or even in the area, not somewhere where I would have to move. But that's not how God works. And exactly one week ago, I went back up to that church in Sonora. They introduced me as the candidate they were actually looking for from the main stage. I got to meet with parents. I got to meet with students. And that evening, they gave me an offer letter to be their new student pastor. <laughs> nothing I did. Nothing I did. I even sat there myself like, do they know what they just did? I, I don't know. <laughs> do they really know? And if you guys are watching, yes, I thought that. Um, but God answered my prayer in a way I had never expected. It started with that prayer of God, what's next? Hoping it was going to be local, hoping it was going to be at the church I've already been serving at, but God took me through this whole process of leading me to something new. Now, that's just an example of, while I might not have expected it in this way, God still answered that spare somewhat, or prayer somewhat specifically. But what about those times where we ask God for something and he doesn't give it to us? Maybe we're asking for a raise or a job or a promotion at work and God doesn't allow us to have that. That means our prayer were wrong? Prayers were wrong? I don't think so. But the other side of this ask, seek, and knock and praying expectantly is understanding who God is and he knows what we need and what is good for us. We might pray for, hey, I want a raise, Right? For me, God might have said, eh, I don't think you need that money right now. We got some other stuff to work on. That money might do you more harm right now than good. For me, I, I would love to be buying a house in San Lorenzo where I grew up. But getting a mortgage on, uh, you know, $700, $800 house, $100,000 house, probably wouldn't be good for my pocketbook. Wouldn't be good for my bank account that me and Annie have been working so hard to build and make sure we have some savings it would harm us more than it would do us good. Now, when we say ask, seek, and knock, I don't want you guys thinking that this passage is saying we can ask God for anything and he'll give us whatever we want. He's not a genie in the bottle. God's not one where we can say, God, I want a huge raise. For me and Annie, we've actually been asking God for the past three years. We want to start a family. And we actually got to a point where we're like, you know what, let's do this whole foster to adopt thing. We want to get into the foster care system. Hopefully we can foster some kids and eventually adopting them. Well, that process started two years ago. 
We're still waiting on the county to give us an approval. We don't even think we can do it yet. They've made progress, but there's just something that always happens, and we haven't gotten that approval yet. Now, we want kids, and we're hoping we already have them now, but it's not how God works. God wants to give us good gifts that are in line with his will. Not just things that are going to help us and prosper us, but also that help live out his story, his plan for what's here on earth. And when you talk about God's will, sometimes it is really, I mean, it is really hard to understand what's the will of God. What's the will of God in my life? What's the will of God for Rock Bible Church? What's the will of God for name it? There are some simple ways, and pretty much one simple way we can find out to start learning about the will of God. And that's through our Bible. God gives us our Bible so we can understand who he is, what he's about, and what he's trying to do in this life. I think Jesus actually lays it out really simple when they asked him, what are the greatest of the commandments? Jesus said, love your God and love your neighbor. I think right there, that's an amazing starting point for trying to figure out what the will of God is. Are we doing things that are in line with will that make us love him more? Or are we doing things that are loving others around us? Even the ones that we don't want to love on. Are we moving forward in that? Now, if we need to know his will, we're going to read our Bible to figure that one out. But if we're praying and asking God for something, we also must believe that he'll actually do it. He'll actually, he actually wants to give us something. And not only does he want to give us things, we know, we've been talking about that, and I know in my heart God wants to give us good gifts. I mean, the scripture right here, the pastor says, he does. He wants to respond to us. But then actually it comes down to, are you ready to receive it? Do you really want what you're asking for? To me, I was scared. But that didn't mean that, no, I didn't want it. Wasn't in my normal, but I knew God was asking me to ask him. I wanted to ask, seek, and knock, and pray to God expectantly. Now, there's those other big asks that we have of God. And some of those are curing a loved one who's sick. Those ones are the toughest. Because I know God can heal anybody. We see it time and time again in the Bible. Jesus healing. God just, I know he can do it. But he's at that point where he doesn't. At least we don't think he does. We think at those points that the unanswered prayers. That's not what it is. It's God knows what's good for us for his plan. And why I might not understand that, and that even makes me sad knowing that that's not in God's plan because I really want to have our family members healed and not be sick. But actually, as I was wrestling with that idea, this verse, Matthew 26, 39, came up. And it says, when Jesus was going into the garden before he was about to be beaten and crucified, he asked God this, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He gives another version of this in Mark. We'll put that on the screen. I really love this one. And it says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible f- for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus knew what was about to happen. Jesus knew he was going to be beaten, 
ridiculed, and eventually have to die. He died for us. But Jesus himself said, take this away from me. I don't want to do this. He was praying to God, don't make me go through with this. But Jesus knew that God gives good gifts. He's the one that taught us here in Matthew 7. And he knew that gift was for all the people back then, for you, for me, for our children, our grandchildren, generations down the road. He knew the gift that needed to be given. And that was the gift of Jesus' life by dying on that cross. Jesus prayed for his suffering expectantly. He didn't want to do it, but he knew God would respond. This reminded me of um, back in 2012. It's actually where I first met Scott. We got to take a a trip to Israel. Um, And so we went all over Israel and we got to see the Sea of Galilee. We got to see the Dead Sea. We got to see some amazing places. And one of the last places we went was Jerusalem. And while Jerusalem is an amazing city, it was actually the saddest part of my journey. It was the saddest part of the trip for me. Because there was one day where we sat on these steps where Jesus could have taught, could have been, probably walked around this area. And they started talking about some of his teachings, pointing to the whitewashed tombs that were right off to the side that we could see. And as as I'm listening to them talking about Jesus walking these paths, I started looking at all of the Jewish people that were in Jerusalem. We're right by the wall where they go up and pray to God, the closest that they can get to the spot of the Holy of Holies. And what got me sad was the Jewish people were God's people back then. And they were praying expectantly that God was going to send a king, send a savior, send a Messiah that was going to save them all. But they missed it. Jesus was that king. Jesus was that savior. Jesus was that Messiah. And they missed it. Why did they miss it? How did they miss it? He was doing miracles up and down all over the place. They missed it because God sent that good gift of Jesus Christ, not as they expected or even wanted. They wanted somebody to come in and take over with power, a king to overthrow the Roman government and take his seat on the throne. They didn't want their king to come as Jesus did and to be a servant to everybody. They wanted a king where people had to serve him. So they missed it. And for us today, yes, we need to ask, seek, and knock, pray expectantly. But when we pray expectantly, don't miss it. Don't miss God's good gifts. Because more than likely, it's not coming in a way that we expect or sometimes even want. It's going to take us out of our comfort zone. It's going to push us like we've never been pushed before. But God's responding to us. God is going to give us a good gift. That's all he knows how to give is good gifts. And for if anybody here is new or anybody online is new that don't know Jesus, I want you to make sure you don't miss that good gift, that great gift that God's already sent for us. When we feel lost, when we feel alone, when we feel like there's nothing left for us here, God's already answered that prayer. 
If you know if you're praying it or if you don't even think you're praying it, like you really are. You're praying for God to help. And God has helped. God has sent a savior. God has sent Jesus Christ to not only teach us, but he died for us. He went to the cross. He died for all of our sins. So that way we might be seen as righteous. And not only did he die in place of, in our place, because we're the ones that deserve the death for the sins we do. Jesus defeated death, rose again, and showed himself to his disciples. They couldn't even believe it. But it happened. Jesus paved this way back to our Father. Our good Father. So don't miss the great gift of Jesus Christ. For those who have accepted Jesus, I want you guys to really search your heart. What do you want to ask God? Again, God's not a genie in the bottle. You know, we're not going to be asking, hey, I want a million bucks. I want a $5 million home. Not that. But what are we asking God that is in his will that he might want us to push us toward? Think about it. What's that one thing you guys have all been thinking that either scares you or takes you way out of your comfort zone. But you might have this inkling that God wants you to move in that way. Maybe it's just going down to your neighbor who yells at you constantly when you're outside. Maybe the one who doesn't rake their leaves in the other yard. One where the dog runs around and, you know, does their duty. But we should be asking them. We should be asking God, God, allow us to talk with them. Soften their hearts so we can talk with them. Allow us a chance to talk about you and your son. God wants us to ask, seek, and knock. He wants you to ask, seek, and knock. And the biggest thing about this whole idea of praying expectantly is that this shows that we understand we need to rely on God. God knows our every desire. God knows before we even ask him. But when we have to ask, seek, and knock, when we pray, that's us showing God we rely on you. We know where our help comes from. We know where the power comes from. We know where our salvation, our care, the good gifts come from, and that is from God. And he just wants us to recognize that. And so today, out of everything that I've said, the biggest thing I want you guys to take away are two words. Pray expectantly. Pray expectantly. Pray that you know that God's going to respond. Just don't miss that response. Abba, Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the amazing gift that you have already given us in Jesus Christ. I thank you for your Bible, for the words that you have given us so we might see your will what you are calling us to, what you are leading us to, and especially these words from Jesus teaching us how to pray to you, how to love you, how to interact with you. And I pray expectantly for those who don't know you. I know that you can get through to them. I know you can open their eyes to who you are, who your son is, and show them a new way of life that you've promised all of us. I thank you for the father that you are.
And I pray expectantly for the good gifts that you have for our lives. Help us not to miss those. We love you and it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.